Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little, a little bit of review from yesterday. A little bit. It was only three games late. I don't know how much review we can do from yesterday. And then uh, we talk some DFS strategy. Uh, I talk a little bit about uh, today's slate, which is a big slate, right? We got uh, 12 games, 12 games. By the time you listen to this later, if you're on the podcast feed, it may not be 12 games. Maybe it's only 10. Maybe it's 11. Maybe we actually play 12 games. Maybe the 12th game only has, the teams only have eight players. We have no idea. It's a 12 game slate. It's going to be a cluster F today with the news that comes in. So uh, uh, don't, don't, don't make lineups now. Like, don't don't worry. The likelihood of uh, of your lineup being optimal now versus the seven hours from now is probably slim to none. But we will talk some strategy for today's slate. As always, in the YouTube chat, you know I love you guys the most. Hit those thumbs up button. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs for the apple juice, of course. As always, apple juice. My, my wife, my wife went to the went to the store yesterday. And got more apple juice because if it wasn't for that, I'd be back to the apple mango. I still got like four of those left. So got got more packs of the apple juice. I know people have said, people have said to me, so why do I keep on? I'm using like the little bottles. Like, wouldn't it be more cost? I'm a nit. Wouldn't it be more cost efficient if I just got the big ones and just poured myself a glass or whatever? Like some things, I guess I'm not a nit. I just I like the little bottles. Portion control. I know. I know it doesn't make any sense, but they taste better in the little bottles. It's like one of those things where soda tastes better in the can. <clears throat> or you get one of those gla- the glass Coca-Cola ones, like the old school ones. They seem to taste better in those. They probably don't. They don't. It's a psychological trick. So, but, but I like these. But keep them cold. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell uh, to know when we go live. Uh, we have uh, two shows a day usually here on YouTube. My show, hi, 11 in the morning, Eastern time for the DFS pregame show. We also have Grinders Live. Uh, today will we'll be at 5.30, 5.30, an hour and a half before lock. And that'll be with Dean and so, no, 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 it's Wednesday. It's the OGs. It'll be, it'll be Beer Makers Fan and Noto and Head Chopper. And, uh, and they'll, they'll talk about uh, more about today's slate, uh, closer to what it matters, right? 5.30, something like that. But the YouTube people in the chat, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, just type them in. I care about you the most. Sometimes we go off on tangents strategically. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk, we talk about today's slate more. Sometimes we talk about yesterday's slate more. Sometimes I show off some tools, some stuff, some features in Lineup HQ, which you can get if you're a premium member. You get our NBA premium projections led by our team of experts. Meansy, Notorious, Tuttle, SPK, Jamino. Alan Lem, Bob Reeves, they, they, this, this is last year's graphic. They added Alan and Bob are now on the team, but apparently they didn't deem them to be attractive enough to make, a, make another little graphic for them or they couldn't squeeze them in in the background or something like that. But they're there too. So you can get them uh, with, with your premium subscription to Roto Grinders. Click on the link in the description. You get $10 off your first month. If you just want to play NBA, just play NBA. There you go, one sport. Or the combo package, which gets you everything. Get you all the niche sports, all the all the everything. You get golf, you get, you get NFL, you get MLB when it comes back. You get soccer. If you saw yesterday, yesterday I had a good day in soccer. If you're part of the soccer chat here at Roto Grinders, PSU and uh, 
and Alex, if you're my turtle, two of the, two of the best soccer DFS players there are. I've been playing with, I've been playing soccer DFS with them for, for years because uh, we block each other in the, in the cash game lobby on DraftKings. But yesterday I had a nice uh, $10,000 GPP win in soccer. It made up for uh, a losing day. Losing day in NBA, not a very good day in NBA. You can see here on my, my spreadsheet uh, for cash games. We go it up and down. See, this is like kind of, this is actually, this uh, this graph is probably uh, probably a little bit more stable than the stock market now, apparently. Stock market, Bitcoin, right? This is actually a little bit more stable. Even though it's going up, it's going down. It's going up, it's going down, but still up uh, up 6,700 for, for the year, right? DK, little in the hole. FanDuel kind of carrying weight, but but moving down. Yahoo, oh, Yahoo's making a comeback. So maybe I start diverting some more, uh, some more of my allocation towards Yahoo because that's kind of what I do. Like if one's doing a little bit better than the others, which doesn't really matter, it has no memory, right? Like it doesn't matter. Oh, I did well at DraftKings yesterday. I'm going to have to do well today. That doesn't matter. But if I see maybe the games are softer, maybe the contest selection is better. Like if I'm going to play, if I'm going to, you know, right now, 10% of this is what, 2670 or so. I have to allocate 2670 to these three sites. So how do I, how do I allocate it? So a lot of times I'll do it based on, you know, oh, it seems like I'm doing well on FanDuel. So a little bit, it'll be a little tilted more towards FanDuel. So that's why I like Yahoo. I'd like a little bit more in Yahoo, depending on obviously the contests that are available. Yahoo, uh, the, the, the liquidity there is, is lower. Right. So yeah, I can, yes, you're right. I can put a thousand on Yahoo, but I'll be playing like head to heads against the best players on the platform. And why should I do that? Right. The main thing is to find, find weaker players to play and try to play them as much as possible. Weaker players than you doesn't have to be the weakest players, but just at least weaker players than you. So, so good thing for my 10 K soccer win it made up for, uh, you know, losing about 1500 bucks at NBA, but whatever, still a good day. Hopefully it was a good day for you yesterday. Uh, if you played DeMarcus Cousins, you, yeah, I mean, that's the chalk. He did well. Bradley Beal may put up enough points. Wall didn't really get there, but he didn't really need anything, right? Winner of the large field GPP. Pretty much uh, as long as you had uh, David Nawaba going off for a nice 8X and uh, Royce O'Neal going off for almost 7X, uh, you won, right? You got slam. Oh, he, we saw him yesterday. Trey Young, see Anthony Gill, right? You didn't even need anything, right? 3K player, got 16 points. Raw points matter so much more on, on smaller slates. So as long as you got all the raw points, you got the three Hawks, you got two Jazz. You didn't even need any of the Washington guards. You didn't need that Matthews didn't do well and Robinson and all those guys. So we go through here, like a lot of one, one play, one, one entry, right? One entry, fresh set, nine, nine, 25. Like just basically David Nawaba was like the key to get a, get a good score. Now, even John Collins, I guess, 14%. Matty H 23. See, it's still 12.75 from Jerome Robinson. He's still got up there to get the 10,000 bucks, right? You see raw points matter a lot more on shorter slates. You don't have to go nuts. There's some people on three game slates, even that start looking at like the third guy off the bench and who gets blowout run. It's like a lot of times you don't even need that. Like David Nwaba is still, it's, it's not like he's at the back of the bench for the Rockets. He's on the second dude. Yes, I get it. 
But it's like you don't have to go down and see, you know, the who the twelfth guy on the on the bench that comes in in the blowout. You don't you don't need those type of players, even on three game slates. Some people just overthink it. They think they have to get really nuts. Like you, you just have to get a little nuts, just a little bit. Uh, Jacob Calloway asks, can we go over how top players gain leverage on yesterday's short slate? I was playing a lot of uh, Neto and Lopez. No, I think Lopez was fine, right? I mean, <clears throat> Lopez made sense in lineups that didn't have Cousins. But of course, if you didn't have Cousins, you lost. I mean, like he was 79% owned and he and he put up 50, right? He put up 70, put up eight, eight over 8X. You're dead, you're done, right? Which, which is fine. You could still make non-Cousins lineups. But it, uh, based on projections yesterday, like it's very hard to not make Cousins lineups. I mean, like at, at 6,000 on DraftKings, it was, it was tough. If you you did, may do that in, in large field and just hope that he busts. Uh, but I mean, I could see playing Lopez with him. I could see like net. The problem with Neto was that he he was already announced to be on like a minutes restriction, and it's not like he was uh, forty three hundred. Great. I mean, I mean, you could have played him. The same thing with Westbrook. You like once they once they say he's not going to play more than like twenty five minutes, he's priced as if he plays like thirty six. So there's no way that you play Russell Westbrook. Uh, uh, in that scenario, and same for Neto, right? You just you go. People went other places, other than the Wizards. That's where David Nwaba comes in. It's hard to judge exposures on a three-game slate, though. That's why I like going lineup by lineup on results DB for the short slates, because like on a short slate, most top players that are playing 150 lineups are probably playing a little bit of everyone, right? There's only so many options, so it, I'm not going to learn. I have to go to individual lineups in order to get like, where was the leverage here in this lineup versus that lineup versus this lineup. It's a little time consuming process, but I learn less on short slates like this than I do with larger slates. Because like most, most people jammed in cousins and then tried to build something around it. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, Brian C says, I use lineup HQ to build my lineups, but I can't seem to cash. I use smash percentage, et cetera, and ownership plays, yet still crash. What the hell am I doing wrong? Well, two things. Two things that you're doing wrong. You, you're not, you, you use lineup HQ to build the lineups that you want to build. So you're not blaming the tool. You don't blame the calculator for if you're getting your taxes wrong, right? You have to enter, you have to enter the numbers in. Oh, I did. Oh, I got audited because it's the calculator's fault. It's like, no, you. What lineups do you want to make? And then you go to lineup HQ and you go, these are the lineups that, that, that I want to make. How do, how do I build those? And, and if you play GPPs, cashing doesn't matter. I don't care about cashing. My cash rate doesn't, doesn't matter at all. I always say like, uh, like last year in MLB, last year, not this past COVID year, but the year before I played, I played nearly every slate. I mean, by September, I started to play. I started to drop off on MLB. I lost money in 94% of slates. 94% of the time, I lost money. Yet I made like 40 grand. The other 6% of the time, I won 20,000. I won 30,000. I won first place. So your expectation on GPP, remember the payout structure on GPP means that if everyone was equal, you'd lose about 78% of the time, right? It pays like 22-ish percent of the field. So that's normal. Losing 78% of the time in GPP is normal. Now, if you're just looking to cash, obviously you're gonna 
your 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 cash rate will be around there. But you're not going to make money long term by just cashing. You're going to make money by binking, winning first place, or at least a top five finish, top ten finish, a couple of times, and that'll make up for all the times that you lost. But if you're not building lineups to win first place, you're you're, you're just going to slowly bleed your money away. So to me, that's what you're doing wrong. Those are the two things that you're doing wrong. Number one, you're you you're viewing lineup HQ as a as 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 it, it it should think for you. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna pre- I'm gonna set some rules and press a button and give me give me give me lineups. I mean, we go through this every morning. I'll go through and look through some lineup and go, well, this probably isn't good. This probably is too high owned. Probably shouldn't play these two guys together. That's probably that's probably a little negatively correlated. And you go through and you see what lineups would be good. A lot of times you could visualize this before you even touch lineup HQ. Right. I look through a slate and I go, and I, I look, I look at the projections and go, okay, this guy's going to be popular. That guy's going to be popular. I don't even need the, the projected ownership, which obviously will change throughout the day. I'm like, okay, Aiden's going to be chalk at center tomorrow. Okay. I get that. I mean, I got that yesterday. I could just look at the slate and know that, but it's a 12 game slate. So there's tons of other centers to play. So we take a look here. Like look at the ownership versus the smash. Like is gonna like, who's gonna play Giannis today? 4% on Giannis, 4% on Jokic? That's a possibility. So it doesn't mean like, if you just, if you're just gonna go through lineup HQ and go, oh, give me 20 lineups. I'm using this, why am I not cashing? Like, there's no thought in your lineup. So are you gonna play Abdel Nader today? That's what that's what it's going to give you right now. It's going to try to jam in some three K player. Deontay Murray, Beal, Barton, Crowder, Nader, Aiton, Connolly, Gobert. This is probably not a good GPP line. Right? You look through over here and you go, well, what's what's with all the Suns? Because Booker's out. But why Abdel Nader? Why why so much Abdel Nader? As of right now, as of ten forty a.m. These are probably not good lines. So I have to figure out what are good lineups. Maybe I do play some Gordon Hayward. Depends on how good the small forward position is today. I'm assuming Nader's coming up because Nader's small forward and small forward probably sucks. That's how you can tell. If you're starting to see a guy, it's 20, 50 lineups, 100 lineups, you know, Jesus. Why am I getting garbage at like, like Garrison Matthews? So Abdel, yeah, because small forward is probably garbage today. Well, I'll look, I'll look through. I'll go, okay, let, let's turn on, let's on small forward on DraftKings. We've got some options, but they're all expensive. So that's why Jay Crowder is coming up a bunch. Right, that's why we get the Abdel Nader, the mid-price Abdel Nader for no apparent reason. But then you look at this and you go, how do I flip that construction? Maybe, maybe I just pay up at small forward. So if I pay up at small forward, maybe I pay up, maybe I play LeBron at 8% ownership against Philadelphia. Maybe I played Durant against Atlanta, 3% ownership, currently projected. Or Hayward, or Tatum, depending on if he has a minutes limit. They say that Tatum could play, you know, 40 minutes. It's 4% owned against the Spurs. And then once you pay up at small forward, like how does that change your lineup? So let's say we do that, right? Lock and Tatum. Now, how does that affect your lineups? 
you still get a ton of Aiden. You still get you're still getting a ton of Nader because you still need you still need more forwards. Nader and Gill, like these are not these are probably not good lineups. Find a way to not have to jam in a three K player. That's Ab that that that's Abdel Nader. If it was a three K player that was going to do something, why is he projecting so well? I mean, projecting well, I mean, he's projected for sixteen points, so like that's not really well. But this is what you have to do. If you if you just go to lineup HQ and press a button, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a money button, right? It's not like just press money and press, and there you go. The projections are just the start of the gameplay. These numbers, they're just the start. How to build good lineups around these numbers, especially on a large slate like a twelve-game slate. So don't view lineup HQ as as Oh, it's gonna it's gonna tell me what to do. Like, no, you tell it what to do. That's the best advice that I can give you. Oh, uh, let's see. Through the YouTube chat. Wally Balls. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's not your real name. Wally Balls. Uh, wondering how many players will keep in your player pool for a large slate like this. I usually go through each team and add players back in, wondering how many good is good for GPP. There's no number that's good. It depends on how diversified you're going to make, how many lineups you're making, how diversified you want to be. If you want to lock in a guy into 100% of your lineups, then you can do that. Then obviously you can have a smaller player pool. If you can have a wide, if you can, you're like, I don't feel like locking in anyone or having a lot of anyone, then you may have more. Depends on the positions, right? We looked through small forward and saw, oh, what a wasteland. That could mean like, okay, because it's a wasteland, I'm gonna I'm gonna play like Gordon Hayward in like most of my lineups, and that's it. You could do that. Or you could say, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep eight small forwards in my pool, and I'm gonna play 50 lineups in whatever which ones fit they fit. So I'm not overexposed at small forward. Both of them are fine. As long as you're building good lineups, that's fine. You could have a very you could have a very condensed core. And rotate one or two players in, in inside that lineup 50 times. That's less diversification. That doesn't make it worse or better or worse. Just means like if if your if your core does well, all of your lineups are likely going to do well. But if the core doesn't do well, all your lineups are going to do poorly. So the number of players that you have in your pool doesn't matter. Have a hundred players in your pool. Have 20 players in your pool. All that matters is the lineups that you make. So yes, if I'm building a hundred lineups, I I I'll go through team by team, and pretty much keep in only the players that like project well or have ownership leverage, and that's it. Just to start, and that may end up being sixty. I may not even use all of them. I'm just eliminating like the people that like. There's no circumstance where this guy ends up appearing in the lineup. I'm getting rid of those guys. But sometimes you need some of those lower projected guys because of positional scarcity, because of salary scarcity. So that's why using lineup HQ as a research tool and going through and seeing, like that's why the first thing you would notice is why am I getting Abdel Nader? Why am I getting Anthony Gill? And then you realize that the positional scarcity at those slots and go either, do I play those crappy guys or do I find a way to build a different lineup construction that doesn't require me to play Someone that's projected at best to get like 16 points. 
Josiah Smith, I won the four-point tournament on DK last night. I know I give you a hard time, but thank you for the help, man. Did you give me a hard time, Josiah? Do you? Is he, is he, are, you, are, you in the, are you in the Roto-Grinders Discord? Are you, are you giving me a hard time? You can always find me there. If you're a premium member of Roto-Grinders, $10 off your first month. Click on the link in the description. I'm in there all the time. Typically yelling at people. I'm, 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 get, I'm answering the same questions that I do here, essentially. <laughs> essentially in there, in the Discord. Okay. Let's see. Shopmaster TV is here with his apple juice. Good. Yes. Keep the apple juice cold. Hit that thumbs up button, the like button. Is it called the like button or the thumbs up button? Thumbs up. It's, it looks like a thumbs up. The thumbs, the thummy thumbs. I like the thummy thumbs. I don't know. What, what is it officially called? Like and subscribe. Say the like button. I think of Facebook. Like the Facebook has the like button. Does you is YouTube just called the like button or maybe maybe whatever? Thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up. Oh, uh, let's see. Rob B says, I keep getting 1% outcomes, but not 0.1% needed for victory. I understand your train of thought. Should I consider smaller fields or keep pushing? Well, it really depends on the contest that you're playing. Like 1% outcome, like we've talked about this on, on Monday's show with James. If you're playing a field that's 50,000 entries, 1% is, is 500th place, which is nowhere near, is, you're still nowhere near the top. Play a thousand person field, thousand entry field, 1% is top 10 already, a 10th place. So getting 1% outcomes if you're playing large field is not, I mean, that's, you're aiming for that range, but still you would, you would look for large field, look at more like 0.1 and 0.5% that range for large field. 1% outcomes are fine to judge, judge the variance of your play of whether, whether you're building lineups that are getting the opportunity to win big money. If it's smaller field, then you, then you're going by 1% outcomes. If you're going really small field, right? Let's say you're let's say you're playing 200 entry contests, really small field. What's a one percent? What's a one percent finish? That's top two, right? Oh, I got second and not first. So now you have to increase what you're looking for. Now you're looking at top five percent finishes, top ten percent finishes, to judge if you're building lineups that have high win equity. High win equity and not getting there, right? And then either you get there, you don't get there. So really that 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 judgment point, that finishing position type of judgment point is really dependent on the line on the, on the contest that you're playing. So you're you're looking if you're playing large field, try to judge by like maybe 0.5%, 0.1%. Mid-sized fields like 5,000 person fields, 1,000 to 5,000 person fields, then one percent the one percent is fine and then in the really small stuff then you have to kind of expand to five or ten percent because if you're going like well how many how many what top one percent finishes do i have in a hundred man contest like dude the top one percent finish is winning like that's it anything outside of the top one percent would be losing would, would, would not be a win you'd, you'd know that so it makes no sense to just look at that and analyze your finishing position 
Let's see. Shotmaster TV. Blender, when a guy is ruled out, do you go with the guy who's replacing him or one of the other starters to produce? Well, that's that's the great thing about projection, Shotmaster. It'll just it'll do it for me. We have a tool called Court IQ that you can take players. It's an off on-off tool. You take players off the court. So for instance, I'll show you. I don't use it, I don't use it often. Only because all of this is factored into projections. So it's like I'm doing it twice. But if you wanted to, it's useful. It's an on-off tool. So for instance, Devin Booker. Devin Booker is going to be out today. You want to figure out who benefits. Not who's going to replace him. The guy that replaces him could just sit in the corner and do nothing. But you want to know who benefits the most. So I'm going to go to Phoenix Suns. It'll show you all the players on the team. And then you click on the players that are out. Right? So I'm going to go to Booker. Where's Booker? Where did Booker? Ah, oh, there you go. Booker's off. I'm just going to run it. So when Booker's off the court, you'll see the difference here. I mean, the amount of minutes that are being played is low. You see Chris Paul is a 1.21 fantasy points per minute player. Aiton is 1.26. Now compare that to what they normally are. Paul gets a bump of usage. Aiton gets a bump of usage here. But let's say we want to make sure, because a lot of times when Paul, when now Booker's off the court, a lot of like the, the scrubbier players are in. So I could, I could keep Paul on and Aiton on. So we're just simulating like basically the starters and keep Booker off. So now we get a little bit dead. Now we get a little bit more. I mean, it's a very small sample size. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 60 minutes, 100 minutes. And now you can see here, you can see who benefits. Aiton by a little, Paul by a decent amount. Cam Johnson, I mean, ever. I mean, because Booker has the usage. So you could use this court IQ tool to determine, like, who do I play when this guy is out? Or you could use it as a, just a research tool of, well, in the start, like, this guy's going to start now, and that guy's going to be on the bench. And like, okay, well, how does that affect the minutes and the usage? We'll just come here. Use court IQ. Premium tool, right? You sign up for premium, you get this. You get everything on premium. I don't know what... I think it's the best value in the business. I don't know why. I don't know why you're not a premium member yet. You get this, you get lineup HQ, you get the projections, you get the Discord. I mean, to me, they really should be charging 10 times as much, but they don't. They don't listen to me. It's worth I'd pay 10 times as much. I mean, I you I used to pay for this. And I still would still pay 10 times more than this. But all this type of stuff, all this like their usage bump and their assist bump and all this type of stuff is going to be factored into the into the projections. Anyway. So like when you say like, oh, who bet? Oh, you know, at, at, at 6.30, so-and-so is out. Oh, and that's going to, you know, completely, uh, you know, change how that team, you know, you, you see uh, Luke is out. Oh, my God. You know, like just Vooch is out for no reason. You know, bam, bam. Oh, he stepped on attack or something. Who knows? Some decently enough usage guy that starts and gets minutes is out. And you're like, well, I, now who do I play? Well, I mean, you could do some research in court IQ where you can just wait five minutes and the projections will update. Our projection team will figure all that out, allocate minutes appropriately, change usage rates appropriately. 
and then you'll reload that timestamp will change. It'll be, you know, five or 10 minutes later and you go, Oh, that's the guy that benefits because they'll pop in the projections. Right. So, I mean, you can utilize this type, this, these types of tools to do the research for yourself. But I mean, it, a lot of times it comes down to the projection model will handle it for you. You're getting the answers up to the test at the end. And me, I'm me personally, I'm trying to be as efficient as possible with my time. So to me, as long as long as I can get the answers to the test, like that's all I need. I don't need to know the why. I don't really care about the why. Oh, why is this guy? Why is eight? Why is eight in such a good play today? I would. I wouldn't even need to know. I mean, I know that Booker's out, so that Paul and and Aiden are going to get a little bump, and I think they're underpriced. On, I think Aiton's underpriced on DraftKings by about maybe 500 or so for that scenario. So, I mean, I, I instinctually, I knew that. I mean, like, I I built my dummy lineup yesterday, and the first thing I saw is, like, who would I play a center? Aiden looks too too cheap with, with Booker out, and I put him in. And then, then the projections back me up. Okay, that made sense. But sometimes I, I look at a slate, and I go, I look at the lineup HQ, and I go, uh, I'll see someone pop. I'll go, why are they popping? And then I then I look at the injury report. Then I look at, oh, oh, because so-and-so got injured last game and he's doubtful. Oh, like you didn't need to know yesterday. Cousins is really doing what it, it, you don't have to ask whether or not Christian Wood is playing, right? Why is Cousins projected so well? Well, because Christian Wood's out and they didn't price, they still haven't priced him up enough. But I don't need to know if Christian Wood is out at all. Who cares? I just, uh, just look at the numbers. Doesn't matter to me. Sometimes just removing the sport from your head and just go like, uh, this is a spreadsheet and I'm going to make the best eight person lineups out of my spreadsheet for the contest I'm in. And then hopefully the numbers work out. I'll play, I'll, I'll mix a couple of these numbers together and enter the that contest, mix a couple of these numbers together. And like, I could turn this, I could turn the names off, right? I go to columns. Right, hide the name. Who cares? Right, that names are gone. Right, I hide everything. Screw it. Right, the notes, the this. I'll probably need to know the positions. Right, do I even need to know the teams? No, I don't even know the teams and the opponents. Right, I don't even have to know that. So there you go. Right, I probably I still need to know the positions. Right, you you could take lineup HQ and look like this. No names, no nothing. Just positions and the names don't matter. The numbers matter, projections matter. So you can do this if you want. So you don't have a bias. So you like, you look through, you look at RGV, you look at Smash, you go, okay, this guy's going to be volatile, right? 32% Smash and a negative plus minus at shooting guard. It's going to be 21% on. Maybe maybe this is someone that, that I go under on, right? Volatile. This is going to be a volatile player. I have no idea who this is. He's a shooting guard and he's projected for 28 minutes. I have no idea who this is. And then I look down and I see a oh, 10% on guy with a 30%. Like, why weren't I playing that guy? A 10% owned. So like, I want to play, I, I want to fade this shooting guard. I want to play more of this point guard. I have no idea who these people are, right? Let's, let's, put, let's put the columns back. Let's see. Just by looking at the numbers, that's my first impression of, I think, this shooting guard is going to be a little over on based on obviously based on 21, based on what's currently our projected ownership. 
let's let's put this back up. Okay. So it's a forty four hundred dollar shooting guard that I don't want as much of. And I want the eighty eight hundred dollar point guard. Oh, so we're talking about Garrison Matthews not playing him and playing a bunch of Kyrie Irving. <laughs> right? Based on based on just looking at the numbers like that. Is Garrison Matthews going to be that owned today? 28? Is, is Westbrook going to play? Do we have Westbrook? No, we have Westbrook projected out. Okay, that's what. On a back-to-back. Did they confirm that? I have no idea. I think that's the that's that's the main reason why Garrison Matthews is coming up. Okay, nah, now I get it. Now I get it. Westbrook is out. Okay. But that's what I mean. I didn't know. Right? I'm like, why the hell is Garrison Matthews being projected low? Well, my first instinct is, well, someone's out. And Westbrook just played yesterday. And is he going to play a back-to-back? Uh, I'm, either we have the news already that he's not going to play, or we're just assuming that. So maybe later in the day, Westbrook ends up back back in the projections. Uh, Jacob Calloway asks, so when we see a guy like Nader pop like this, this seems like a good spot to find relative value guys at his position because the market is too sure on his minutes and point projections conceptually. Yes. When you see a, a very thin value on us, typically this happens on slates where there isn't like obvious value. I mean, it could be, it's it's now 11.30 in the morning. Five hours from now, we may be looking at this going, there's too much value. This guy's out, this guy's in, whatever. And uh, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, it, it, but the, based on our projections, it may, it may just be that it's 10.40 in the morning. They haven't made uh, additional usage adjustments for the Suns, like our projections team. So when this updates at like one, two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe let Nader, Nader goes from a 16 point projection to a 13 point projection and then just disappears, right? So it may not even, may not even matter now, but yes, conceptually, we saw that a couple of, we saw that like a week or two ago with like Cam Johnson. Well, there was no value in shooting and small forward was, was garbage. And Cam Johnson in a lot of contests were like 40 to 50% owned off the bench with no upgrade, no nothing. Because that was the best, best source of value. That those are good times to go. Like, how do how do I build a lineup without that guy? Yes. So conceptually, you'd be right. But I don't think it has anything to do that's too sure on his minutes or point projection. It just they just like. That's what an optimizer is going to spit out because there's no clear, there's no clear small forward in that spot or in that uh, salary range that that's what the default is going to be. Uh, Raul asks, hi, Blender. Yesterday you spoke a bit about ROI and bankroll. I believe you started DFS with 400 bucks. Can you talk about how bankroll impacted the contest you played? Yes. I started with 400 bucks, but that wasn't my bankroll. I started with a $400 deposit. The first six months to a year of me playing DFS was just learning how to play. I had no, I hadn't, I was not going in, going, I'm going to make a lot of money doing this. Like I'm it's like similar to poker. Like in poker, you have a bankroll, there's a plan. There's, I mean, you, you take it seriously. First year DFS, I was, I, 
to me, fun is making money. So like I was playing, I was studying, I was playing seriously, but not seriously from a bankroll perspective. I had plenty of money. I could have, I could have deposited $4,000. I could have deposited $10,000. Right, by 400 bucks. I mean, what am I going to do? I first heard of DraftKings in October, 2015, started playing soccer. That's all I did. And I played $1 contests. I played the quarter arcades. I played those types of things. But learning how to play, like am I, when you play poker, like I learned to play poker, playing $1, $2 limit hold'em online. 25 cent, you know, 10 cent, 25 cent, no limit online. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna make a living on those games. That's a good place to learn. So then you could then move up. So like, I wasn't like with $400 in my account, I wasn't worried about like, well, if I lose 400, I'll put another 400. Like, so the 400 is in my bankroll. But I still, I was only playing like 20 to 40 bucks a slate. And I was just playing soccer. So soccer slates were only like two or three times a week. So 20, 20 to 40 bucks. And then I had a nice, nice hit for like 2000 or something. And then I was like, oh, okay. Now, now I can play. 100 to 200 bucks a slate. And then I lost a bunch of the money. Then I went down and okay, I'm now I'm playing 20 to $40 a slate again. Then build that up. Get a nice, nice hit for, for a grand or two. Okay, now I'm playing 100 to 200 bucks a slate again. Then eventually in studying and playing well, I turned the 400 bucks a year later into like 12,000. Now twelve thousand. Now okay. Now I can now I can kind of treat this as a bankroll. Now okay. I think I think I can make money doing this. So like it takes time. If you're playing on a small a small bankroll, if you want a small amount of money like that, you're in the learning phase. DFS is not high a high enough yield activity that playing for with a four hundred dollar bankroll will give you enough raw money. You might as well just get a part-time job somewhere. But it's good. But that's way that's it's good to learn. That's where you learn. It's not about making the most money at that point. It's about learning. And if you could if you could beat the lowest stakes games, then you're more likely to beat the higher stakes games. So really, it doesn't come down to well in the small bankroll. What kind like if you could replenish it. Like, don't, 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 you don't have to be that much of a nit. I know I'm a nit, but I'm a nit with a $200,000 bankroll. Like, I can just like, half my bankroll's gone, that's a hundred grand. Half your bankroll's gone and it's 400 bucks, that's 200 bucks. You're probably not playing DFS if you can't afford to lose $200. Probably not, I hope not. Let's go through. The YouTube chat. Good morning, Edward Bam. I scroll, I scroll back. So you could, even if I'm not responding to you in the YouTube chat, you could always type in. I always scroll back. Go scroll and see the questions. See the questions. Let's check on the apple juice. Still cold. I don't know how many likes we got, but I guess it's enough to keep the apple juice cold. Big Willie asks, should we make our lineups based on the ceiling projection if we end up with the median lineups that sacrifice a lot of projection for ownership? It, does, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Most of these players are, it's a normal distribution. 
Whether or not you make it with ceiling projections or median projections doesn't matter. Doesn't matter much. I mean, the difference between the floor and ceiling. I mean, like we switched, build 20 lineups by ceiling. Okay. Let's take a look at what it looks like. Right. Still get Garrison Matthews. You still get Abdel Nader. You don't, you, you still, you're still getting the same types of players. A little different combination. You're getting Ken Birch instead. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're doing, look, Abdel Nader. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same lineup. Curry, Matthews, DeRozan, Crowd, Crowder, and Nader. You're getting Crowder and Nader lineups. You're getting Aiton. You get, I mean, it's, it, it, you're practically doing the same exact thing. You're still viewing lineup HQ like it's going to do the work for you. No. Choose the players you want to play. Build your, curate your player pool. Visualize the lineups that you want to play. And then build them. People take it the opposite, do it so much the opposite way. I don't know what to do. Let me have the optimizer tell me what to do. No. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to use, I, I still use lineup HQ as the research tool and go through, hmm, how can I get leverage off of Aiden? Let me X him out. Let me run some lineups. Let me X this out. If I'm going to, oh, this is a good spot to play this guy. So I'm going to put lock him in. And I start looking at lineups. I'm not playing any of these lineups. I'm just looking at combinations of ideas. Is this, is this lineup leveraged enough? It is. Okay. Maybe I save it. Maybe I don't even play it, but I just want to make sure that I have a saved lineup that looks like something that I may want to play. And then I go through and I go, look, okay, these are, okay. If I don't play this guy, then I play that guy. Oh, that's small forward. If I pay up there, oh, that's what that type of lineup looks like. And maybe I'm saving 10, 15 lineups, not even playing those lineups, just to, just to look at. Even if I'm hand building five lineups, I go into my save lineup section and I look at those lineups. I go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. This doesn't make, and then I look at another one and you go, this doesn't make enough, as much sense anymore. I'm more, I, 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 I like the first one versus the second one in the contest I'm playing. And you go through that. And then you make those choices. Now, if you want, if now if you want to make a hundred of them, you've already visualized what these lineups look like. So now you're just changing the settings of lineup HQ in whatever way you need to, to get those lineups. I like what these types of lineups look like. Okay, we'll build 10 of them and rotate two or three. You get, okay, I know I'm going to need this position. I know I'm going to need these salary ranges. And I know I'm going to need these two V2s. So you could curate your player pool to reflect that. And then you start running lineups and you could run them as 20 builds. Let's say you're running a hundred lineups. You could do 20, 20, 20, 20, and just combine them all. Or you could do it all in one, sh one shot with a hundred. The more experience you get with the tool, the easier it'll be to do those types of things. And even when you get experienced at it, sometimes it does tend to, sometimes you have to build 30, 40, 50 times. It's like, I'm not getting, I'm not getting these lineups. I'm not getting, you're, you're scrolling through and you're getting frustrated. You're like, I'm not, why am I not getting this? Then you, well, screw it. I'm going to make sure I'm going to force this guy in. I'm going to force that thing have to happen. And you just, you just work with it. But you've already visualized in your head what the, what the lineups that you want to play. You shouldn't be just opening this up and going, you optimizer, you tell me what to play. Then that, that, if, 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 that, if you could make money doing that, then everyone would be. 
right? I mean, everyone has access to this. Donnie Watson says, uh, I know things will change, but right now out of 100 lineups, almost all of the small forwards are cheaper. Do you think it's a decent strategy to try to pay up for one or two small forwards on DK if you get meeting closures to Oppo? Yeah, I talked about this before. Obviously, Donnie, Donnie came in late today. Donnie, you showed up late to class. We were just talking about that before with the Abdel Nader situation. Then paying up for like a LeBron or a Hayward or Tatum if he if he's not going to be in a minutes limit or something. Don't 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 take it for who to play. I don't know any any of them. So yes, we we talked about that. Go, go rewind. Use the rewind. Rewind on the, on the show. Uh. Jay Jesner, can we go over how to get a player like David Nawaba in lineup HQ? What do you mean how to get a player? You choose to play him. You just say, oh, he's 5% owned and it's three-game slate. Let me play some of them. Like, that's how you get him. There's, there's, there's no <laughs> – if you went to yesterday's slate, there's nothing that would tell you to play David Nawaba. But that's not how DFS is played. Right? You look at Wall, you look at Oladipo, you look at Cousins. They're all going to be owned. You go, well, if one of them does badly, who did who did well? Maybe it's Eric Gordon. Maybe it's Jay Sean Tate. Maybe it's Ben McLemore. Maybe it's David Nawaba. And David Nawaba is what is, I think, is small forward eligible. So he fits some more spots. So maybe you'd go yellow. I'll take a shot on Nawaba. That's it. That's it. People that people people overthink this stuff. What put you on a guy like David Nawaba? I don't know. He's just cheap and he and he fits in a small forward spot. And he's not Oladipo and Wall. Like, that's it. That's it. That's all you need. He doesn't project well, meeting-wise. He doesn't project well. He, it's not like he's going to get a ton of minutes. But it's a three-game slate. So you have to get different somewhere. And if you just end up with Nawab in your lineup, there you go. You're done. A lot of times, people, I, I, I won $100,000 with Garrett Temple in my, in my lineup. But two years ago. Whatever. And people ask me. What uh, what what put you on our temple? Like, well, he was thirty seven dollars, thirty seven hundred dollars, and he fit a small forward spot. Yeah, but uh, but and he he put, he ended up shooting like lights out, and he put up forty five points for like thirty seven hundred dollars at like two percent ownership. How did you know that was going to happen? I didn't know. Anything. I didn't know that was going to happen. All I know is that I needed a cheap small forward, and he fit. Done. Well, nothing in the projection said, no, he didn't project poorly. He didn't project well. He was just, eh. And small forward was weak that slate. And I just, okay, I guess I'm playing Garrett Temple in this lineup. It makes sense. And people think that, yeah, you don't have to think anything more than that. Remember, I'm not predicting outcomes. I'm just trying to build plus EV lineups. If Garrett Temple, if Abdel Nader today makes a lineup, that's good enough, then so be it. I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue. Oh well, I guess I guess I, I guess I'm playing him. Did you know Abdel Nader was gonna do well? I didn't know anything. Just happened to fit. Let's see. Let's see. Get your questions in before we get out of here. Wednesdays are a little bit short, a little bit shorter show. Always have a meeting. Meetings on Wednesdays after the show. So feel free to get your questions in. I know, I know some people commented on yesterday's video. When are you going to talk about today's slate? 
It's like we talk, this is a DFS strategy show. We don't talk necessarily about the slate in general, especially at 11 in the morning when everything, anything could happen, right? By the, by the time, by the time seven o'clock comes around, we want, you're going to go, why were we even talking about Abdel later? Well, why was that even an issue, right? It's, it's, it's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, let's see. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Let's see, going through. People are talking amongst themselves in the YouTube chat, which is fine. Right, Big Willie says, I try to get off the chalk. Like, I know I'm playing very contrarian. I still play guys with good projections. It's just not the chalk construction. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. And you're going to lose most of the time. Can we can we get this through our heads? If you're playing GPPs well, you're going to lose 90% of the time. Okay? You're going to lose 9 out of 10 times. If you're playing well, you want the one time that you don't lose to be a lot more money. That, that's your goal. That's what you're trying to do. Right, so Tommy Betts is asking, what sample size should I trust my cash percentage? Over 70% this season. I don't care about my cash percentage. I care about how much money I've made. What's my ROI? That matters more. And the sample sizes, the sample sizes in DFS are much bigger than, than you really, than, than you think. In order to get, In order to get an accurate assessment of your... DFS play within one standard deviation for GPPs, within one standard deviation of GPPs, I, I would estimate to get, so it's accurate. So it's somewhere within the realm of accuracy, you would probably need to have a sample size of about maybe 15 to 20 years. Years, years. People are talking about 15 to 20 slates. Dude, you could play NBA GPPs for 10 years, be unprofitable, and be the best DFS player in the world. Okay, so understand the scope of what we're talking about when it comes to sample size. There's likely, for large field GPPs, like the Millimaker, those types of level of GPPs, there's no human being that will ever reach a sample size that is within one standard deviation of an accurate ROI. There's no human being that can. Even if even if if DraftKings and FanDuel exists forever, until we reach the singularity, no human being will ever reach that. They will die before then. If you started playing DFS on day one of ever DF, there ever being DFS to now. In large field GPPs, you still would not have a large enough sample size. I mean, obviously, as the sample size goes up, it's more and more likely that that number tends to be accurate, but it's still not going to be within one standard deviation. You're going to need you're going to need 50 years, 80 years, something like that. So I just want to put I, I'm I'm exaggerating like this for a reason. To give you the perspective of like, well, uh, in the past two weeks, I haven't been doing well. Like two weeks? 
Are you kidding me? Some of the best DFS players have bad years. Years have bad years. You're complaining about two weeks? So just, just get to just any time you think of all oh, the past three days, I haven't done well. It's like three games, it's three day sample size. What is that? Three days? Or you've been doing well, the opposite. Past four days, I've been crushing it. So the fifth day, I'm entering the Thunderdome. Like, yeah, don't do that either. People are asking about, can you go over today's slate for today's plays? I don't, number one, I don't do plays. And number two, this makes no sense. Like by, by six hours from now, everything's going to be different. I could talk about construction. I could talk about strategy, but I mean, who to play? I mean, look at the projections. That's the bet. That's that. There's no other point to that. Oh. Let's see. Uncrabby cabby? Uncrabby? He's uncrabby. What's the best way to determine what type of roster construction to use per slate for single entry GPP? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you might as well just ask, how do you play DFS? Figure out what the chalk construction is. And depending on the, depending on the, how big the field size is, how different do you need to be? What's the chalk construction? How do I either keep the chalk construction and be different with the players? Or how do I change the construction so I'm not on the chalk construction? We saw yesterday, we had Cousins, you had Beal. You, you pretty much, you paid down at the forward spots and you paid up at the guard spots. Okay, how do you get different? You can get different by doing the same thing, but playing David Nawaba at one of the forward spots instead of one of the chalkier forwards. Or you could say, I'm going to pay up, I'm going to play Gobert, pay down at guard and and play Julius Randle, pay up at forward. Now you have to compare those two types of lineups. Like, which is the better, better direction to go? How much projection are you losing? How much leverage are you gaining? You need to know what the chalk construction is to begin with. If you, if you, if you don't know what the chalk is going to be, it's very hard to be a good GPP player. Because you where, where do you get leverage off of? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the chalk's going to be. So you have to know what the chalk's going to be in, in order to be. Like, if you're a good cash player, you're going to be a good GPP player because you, you know how to build good cash lineups, which is what the chalk construction is. JC asks, in these 10-game slates, 10-plus game slates, is game stacking a higher leverage way to get to differentiate? Yes, because there's more options. When I say game stacking, that doesn't mean like six guys in your lineup. That's like two plus one, two plus two, one plus one, like those types of things. Yes, because there's more options and less people do it. Doesn't necessarily make it the best option on a given slate, but yes, it'll be that combination will be less owned than obviously on a shorter slate where there's there's much more limited options. On a three-game slate, it's hard not to game stack to some extent. There's only three games. So on larger slates, it's less likely 
that lineups will contain multiple players from the same game. That doesn't make it necessarily make it smart to do. It just means that it's less, it's done less. Okay. So as always on your way out, hit that thumbs up button, right? Apple juice, still cold. If, if I didn't get to your questions today, you could always show up tomorrow. I'm here every day. Okay. You can listen to the podcast later. You can listen. You can watch this on YouTube at any time you want. I don't know what's going to happen today. We got we got seven hours to lock, and I'm going to be shocked if uh, if what my lineups would look like now or anything what my lineups look like at seven o'clock at night. So feel free to to take a look at the news throughout the day. Download the uh, the RG app, the Roto Grinders app. You'll get the news just sent directly to your phone. Just you'll get a you'll get a notification. So download that. That's 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 what I use. I mean, I look at Twitter also, but typically within within a minute of me seeing it on Twitter, I get a notification from our news team. So download that. Sign up for premium. I'll be in the Discord, answering questions, being there throughout the day. I got a meeting in a little bit, so I'm I'm not in there all the time, all the time. But I'm probably one of the most active uh, analysts in there. And uh, and then I'll I'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com. 